I'm so honored to get to bring this message to us this weekend. Um, I feel like a little bit, though, that we've already got to the punchline with uh, singing the great I am before this. And so if you joined us online, you don't necessarily know that. And so I want to encourage you to download the song, The Great I Am, and listen to it at the end of this message. But if you're joining us from Bettendorf for the men at Kiwani or here at Rock Island, how awesome that we can know that we know that we know that he is the great I am, bigger than any circumstance we face, bigger than anything we will confront in this world, he is. This has been an awesome journey through the I Am series, and I hope that you've been taking time in this Lenten season to journey intentionally towards Easter. Easter, that sacred time frame that holds the brutality of the cross, followed so quickly by the emptying of the tomb. The last few weeks, we've been considering the powerful I Am statements of Jesus recorded in the Gospel of John as a means to walk with Jesus in some of his last days on earth. With these two words, Jesus radically transformed the way people viewed him and the power of God's kingdom. Ego, I am me. I am. I exist, I happen, I am present. With these words, Jesus speaks powerfully to us in the world that we live in today, inviting all of us into the hope, the life, the authority and activity of the kingdom of heaven now. Not someday, but now. He's a Jesus of now. You see, Jesus is not just the God-man who came to earth for 33 years and then left to return to heaven. He exists outside of time. Before Abraham was, he was. You see, Jesus is right now. When he left here, he didn't just go into some fairy tale land. He descended into hell. He then rose again. He ascended into heaven and he sits at the right hand of the Father, praying to him on our behalf. He still is. Jesus is the way, the truth, the life, the true vine. And this weekend, we're going to look at another one of the I Am statements recorded in the book of John in chapter 12. And we're going to be primarily in John 10, and I encourage you to follow along in your note guide or in your Bible or on your device. But I want to set the stage of what's happening in that chapter. You see, the events recorded here happen after the Feast of Tabernacles in Jerusalem, so we're in the last few months of Jesus' life. And it's actually right at the time of the Feast of Dedication, so think Hanukkah for us now. That's the time frame that we would think of. Jesus is in Jerusalem. He's getting ready to leave. He'll go back to Galilee one more time. And then when he leaves Galilee to go into Jerusalem, now we're to, into the events of Holy Week. Jesus has been interacting with the Pharisees. And in John chapter 9, this is when Jesus heals the blind man. 
And you'll remember that he does it on the Sabbath, and the Pharisees take issue with this because he's doing work on the Sabbath. And so the Pharisees launch an investigation into the blind man's miracle, and Jesus finds out about this, and he begins to interact with the Pharisees and with the blind man. And he declares in that setting that he is the Son of Man, and the man in the presence of the Pharisees says that he believes, and now we're set right up for what's going to happen in John chapter 10. Jesus is going to be instructing the Pharisees. These are the very same ones who would conspire to kill him. Now the Pharisees are going to relate to the imagery that Jesus chooses to use in John chapter 10. Jesus is going to be talking about shepherd, a shepherd and sheep and how sheep behave. The Old Testament had tons of imagery around sheep. And so you're going to see echoes of Scripture in what Jesus is saying in John chapter 10, especially when you think about Isaiah and when you think about Psalms. And I love how Scripture just echoes. It's an echo chamber. And so Jesus is spitting back to them imagery that will be very familiar to them. There's also um, just a history in Israel of there being great leaders who had been shepherds for a period of time, and so Moses and Jacob and David. And so Jesus is going to be talking to the Pharisees in a language that hopefully they can understand, and a language that still speaks and, reson and resonates for us today. So let's look at John chapter 10, verses 1 through 6. We're going to kind of take it in chunks and walk through the, path, the first 18 verses of John chapter 10. These are the words of Jesus. Very truly I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. It is the one who enters by the gate that is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep will follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech. But the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. You see, the Pharisees did not know Jesus for who he was, and so they did not recognize him or understand him. And this leads us to our first fill-in, if you're following along in your note guide, that we have to know him to recognize his voice. So you see, that doesn't just happen, that we, that we fall into some state where all of a sudden we, we know Jesus and we recognize his voice. We have to actually embark on that journey, on that relational walk with him to get to know him so that we recognize when he's speaking to us. So how do we do that? How do we get to know him? Well, I was thinking way back when when you would date someone and you would get to know them and you would do it maybe in an old-fashioned way by talking on a telephone. A telephone that didn't necessarily have caller ID or any number that popped up or a name and you for sure couldn't look at them and see their face when they were talking to you. It was all about the voice-to-voice -voice connection. 
Now, my husband and I had a lot of practice at this because we were only together for the first three months of our dating relationship, and really the next several months, even up until we got married, were almost all long distance. I was in the Army, he was finishing up school, then he was in the Army. And so even after we got married, the first two years of our marriage, we were together about four months total. And that was back in the day of snail mail or talking on the phone, which was super expensive. But the way that we built our relationship, because we valued each other, sometimes we couldn't wait the two weeks that it would take to write a letter, get a letter, and respond back to that letter. We would, we would value investing in the phone call to actually talk to each other, to hear the other person's voice, to understand the inflection that was happening, to feel connected, to feel the love that was being expressed over that phone line. My friends, it's the same way with Jesus. We're never going to get to know him if we don't spend time with him, if we don't do it in a way that is investing, that is sacrificial, that costs us something. Because guess what? Our relationship with Jesus costs him everything. We have to know him to recognize his voice. Well, what's so important about his voice? I was thinking about that, and I was thinking about the imagery of shepherds and sheep and what that looks like, and having been to Israel twice now, um, I've observed a lot of sheep still around even today. Shepherds out with their sheep, and what's interesting is it's clearly not just one flock of sheep that will be somewhere. There are good grazing grounds that shepherds know at certain times of the year, this is the place you want to graze your sheep, and then you're going to want to move over here, and you're going to want to do it over here. And so they kind of migrate in patterns together, and so you can have multiple flocks of sheep. And yet somehow, by the sound of that shepherd's voice, the sheep know who they belong to, and the shepherd can call out to them, and they move, and they run to him, and then they move on to the next pasture. They move into the sheep pen. You see, Jesus' voice carries further than our eyes can see. And so if you think about this, you know, when sheep are grazing, especially in, a, in an area like I've seen in Israel where there's rocks and crags and they're often up on a hillside, and the shepherd gets into one location, but the sheep can be down, they're down worried about the grass in front of them, and there's maybe rocks around them, and if, the, if they were just limited in getting to the shepherd by what they could see, they would never find the shepherd. But it's the shepherd's voice that directs them. It's the shepherd's voice that guides them. Because his voice is what carries us further than our eyes can see. You know, when our boys were young, Sean uh, came to me and said, hey, I'm going to do something with the boys and I just want you to be aware of it. And so he explained that he was going to teach them a whistle. And he wanted them to be trained to that whistle, that anywhere he would be, that they could hear him, they would know that it was their dad calling them. 
Now, when he first told me, honestly, I'll be, I'll just be real, because that's how I roll, I was insulted. I was like, our children are not dogs. You cannot train them to a whistle. That is weird. But he's like, no, trust me, this is going to be a good thing. This is, this is what we need to do. And so I said, all right, well, we'll try it, but let's not do it in public for a while yet, because I don't want people to judge us too harshly. And so they were tiny, and he started training them to the whistle. And it's a distinct whistle, and we call it the Cawson whistle. And now, I'll be honest, I even respond to it. Just the other day, Sean was trying to get my attention, and he whistled, and sure enough, my head whipped around just like that. But you know what's so awesome about this whistle? Is that we've been able to take our boys into places, crowds of people. We've been in Guatemala with them, tons of people around. Um, we've been, I remember Sean, we were doing a roofing job at our previous church, and Sean had the boys on the roof. And, the, and some of the guys were concerned about the danger, and Sean said, nope, if there's danger, I'll whistle and my boys will stop and they'll look for me. And sure enough, they did. You see, this means of connection that our boys have had to Sean has actually given them more freedom. Because we can even trust for them to be in dangerous situations because we know that they are so tuned into that whistle that they recognize it and they are obedient to it. They can go, they can move even beyond our sight. It's the same way with Jesus. His voice carries further than our eyes can even see. Let's jump back into the scripture, John 10, verses 7 through 11. So remember where we left it. The Pharisees are dense. They go, we don't understand this. And Jesus is thinking, of course you don't, because you don't know who I am. And so Jesus decides to get a little more plain with them in verse 7. Therefore, Jesus said again, very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers. But the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but I have come that they may have life to the full. Ego I am me. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. This reminds me of John 15, 13, greater love has no man than this, than he lay down his life for his friends. My friends, friends of Jesus, here is a wonderful truth. To be known is to be loved, and to be loved is to be known. You see, the same wonderful Savior who saw you knit together in your mother's womb, who knows you inside and out, loves you so completely and perfectly that he laid down his life for you. This reminds me, this to be known is to be loved and to be loved is to be known over the last few weeks, Pastor Sean's been talking about this wheel of knowing Jesus allows us to love him. And when we love him, 
We can trust him in new and different ways. And the more we trust, the more we can step out in obedience, which leads us to discover new things about Jesus, new things about his character, new things about how he's wired us, how he wants to work in our lives. And this knowledge leads us to loving him more, which allows us to trust him, which allows us to obey him. First John says this, this is how we know what love is. Christ died for us. You see, all the love that we know and experience here on earth is just a shadow reflection of that love. You will never know love here on earth like your Savior's love for you. It's Christ's death because of love for us that even begins to tell us and define love for us. Also in this passage, Jesus talks about being the gate. He says, I am the gate for the sheep. And so let's talk about what that means. Does that, does that make sense? That seems a little bit strange. Jesus saying he's like a door. What is that all about? Well, here's the deal. Shepherds, when they would take their flocks out, they're out in the wilderness. And I know when you like see most pastoral scenes, you think of like the, the nice fence with the wood and a permanent structure, but that's like home base for shepherds. And they're really not there very often. They're there to shear the sheep and slaughter the sheep and have sheep give birth to new sheep. And that's about it. That's home base because the rest of the time they're taking their sheep out to pasture, and so they go out, and they might go out for three days, a week, a month. It could be a long time that they're out, depending on the season of the year. And so what do they do at night to keep the sheep all together and to keep the sheep safe? Well, they, they build a sheep pen, and so they get together brush, and they try to find things with thorns in it. And, and they make an enclosure just out of what they can find, but they leave a gate, an opening. And the shepherd calls to the sheep, and the sheep come because they know the shepherd's voice. And the shepherd walks in through the gate, and the sheep follow the shepherd into the pen. Now there's a problem. There's an opening there. And so what does the shepherd do? The shepherd becomes the gate. The shepherd is the means of protecting the sheep throughout the night. The shepherd is the one who keeps the sheep in and keeps the predators out. And so who is the, who is the shepherd trying to keep out? Well, verse 10 tells us the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. And I think it's important that we understand who that is and how that applies to us. The thief is the enemy of your soul. The one who would destroy you, not because he gives a rip about you, but because he wants to hurt the heart of God. And how does the thief do that? If the thief, thief can't get in through the gate because the good shepherd is there to protect, what they really like to do is pick off the sheep from the flock when they're out grazing. And so that reminds me of the importance that not only do we need the good shepherd, 
but we need to be part of a flock. We need each other. There is safety and protection in being together. It's when we isolate ourselves. It talks about this in scripture. The enemy prowls like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. The lion doesn't go after the whole flock. The lion looks to hunt to get the one that's just off by themselves. We need each other, but most importantly, we need Jesus to protect us, to guide us, to keep us together. John 10, verses 14 through 18, if we jump back into the passage, Jesus says this, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. We're going to skip verses 15 and 16, but I want us to understand that those verses are pointing to the fact that it won't be just Jews that are welcome into that flock. And aren't we glad? Aren't we glad that even then Jesus was declaring, it won't just be Jews who are part of this flock, there's going to be room for Gentiles in this flock as well. In verse 17, Jesus says this, the reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to pick it back up again. This command I received from my father. You see, Jesus is being very pointed with the Pharisees, but there's good stuff for us to take away from here as well. The Pharisees were bent on getting to God without going through Jesus. That's what the deal was. They were upholding the religion and the rules and the behaviors of the Old Testament. And Jesus came to say, no, that is not the way you're going to get to the Father anymore. It's through the Son. And so Jesus declares, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is saying, I am the gate through which you must enter. And I love this. And if this doesn't get your blood pumped for Easter, I don't know what will. In verse 18, Jesus is throwing it down to the Pharisees. And he says, you cannot take my life. I will be the one that lays it down. And he's reminding them of where all power and authority rest. And my friends, some of us need to remind ourselves of this as well. All power and authority does not lie in the enemy's hands. And so his plans for destruction of us, his plans to lie to us and to get us off course, those are not the sole authority that are happening in the world. Jesus is the sole authority, and Jesus stands against that. And he's telling the Pharisees, the very ones who will think that they have won something when they stand and see Jesus on the cross, he's telling them even now, don't even think that I'm up there, going to be up there on the cross because you put me there. I'm laying down my life out of obedience to the Father and love for my Father. And oh, by the way, I will pick up that same life again in three days when I, when I rise from the dead. We serve an all-powerful shepherd. Like sheep, 
We are restless. We are prone to wander. We're always searching for greener grass, and we're often too oblivious of the danger around us. We need a good shepherd to be watchful, to keep the flock safe from their own tendency to wander. You see, sheep are the most precious and valuable asset a shepherd has. They provided food for people and clothing, and they were also the means of sacrifice. Sheep were one of the means that people could connect to God. And so a good shepherd treated those sheep as a treasure. And so I wonder if you are in this space and you're feeling that today. You're understanding how much Jesus treasures you. Our good shepherd who knows us and loves us, who has all the days ordained for us already written in his book. So what? There's a lot for us to respond to in this, and so this is going to kind of be a circuitous answer to the so what question. J.I. Packer has a great quote, and it's a good reminder for us that God has not abandoned us any more than he abandoned Job. He never abandons anyone on whom he has set his love. Nor does Christ, the good shepherd, ever lose track of his sheep. And so for some of you, you may be in this space and you may be feeling like, I don't feel like the good shepherd has really had a handle on where I'm at and what's going on in my life. Or, or maybe it's, you feel that for someone that you love. Maybe it's a, it's a child or a spouse or a friend that you feel like it's just kind of out there and it doesn't seem like the good shepherd is paying very much attention to that situation. Not really treasuring that sheep as much as other ones that you see. That's a lie from the enemy who wants you to believe that the good shepherd isn't equally good. The truth is that he is our good shepherd no matter what our circumstances. And we have to calibrate and remind ourselves of that truth all the time. And so how do we do that? One of the best ways that I know to do that and to recalibrate my thinking when it gets messed up is to anchor myself in scripture. And so that's what we're going to do together now. And again, we're going to enter into that echo chamber of scripture, and we're going to look at Psalm 23. Because when Jesus said he was the good shepherd, he would know that Psalm 23 was one of the great beloved psalms of the people of Israel. It was written by David, the shepherd king. And one of the things I love about that psalm is the active present tense that it is written in. It's not a like, the Lord used to be my shepherd, and he did this and he did that. It's a present active thing. And so, so what? What is our response to Jesus saying, I am your good shepherd? We respond with Psalm 23. 
I'm going to read it in the New Living Translation, and that's what's going to be up here. In your note guide, it's in the NIV. I was trying to get it out of being familiar, um, because sometimes Psalm 23 has got to be one of the most familiar passages of Scripture, um, and in a great way, but then in a way where it, it can become white noise. Um, as a pastor, I've sat by many a dying person, and Psalm 23 is what they want you to say over them as they, as they leave this earth and enter into their next. At many funerals, you'll hear Psalm 23 read, even by irreligious people, it, sometime, it somehow connects and seems comforting to them. And so we're gonna, I'm going to read it to you in the NLT. In your note guide, there are some words on the right-hand side. And as I read it, I would love for you to be looking at those words and thinking about what is the thing? Those are all things that Jesus, our Good Shepherd, wants to provide us and is actively providing. So which one do you need to claim? Which one do you need to anchor yourself in right now? Let me read it for us. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid. For you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of mine enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life. And I will live in the house of the Lord forever. And so you see in that psalm, we start with the present and we go all the way into our future assurance. You see, for the Jews, this scripture was about God. They're thinking, when they say the Lord, they're thinking Yahweh, they're thinking God. And Jesus is saying, hello, I'm that shepherd. I'm that shepherd that you sing about when you sing that psalm. I'm the shepherd you've been looking for. So Jesus declares, I am the good shepherd. And we respond, Lord, you are my shepherd. It's in you that I have all I need. I lack nothing. If we got up every morning with that posture, that reorientation, what could Jesus do in us in a day and through us in a day? If you've never done that, if you've never responded to the voice of the Good Shepherd calling you, out looking for you, ready to rescue you, let today be the day that you hear and respond to the Shepherd's voice. There's a prayer in your note guide that you can pray. You can talk to any of your campus pastors or hosts or people that'll be down front praying afterwards. You don't want to go another day 
without having the protection, the provision, the restoration, the healing, the blessing, the courage, the love that the Good Shepherd provides. Now for those of us who've made the decision, here's the truth, we drift, we wander, we get busy, we get distracted, we move out of range of His voice, we forget what the sound of His voice is like, we get too busy to make time to hear Him. And so here's my question for us. How will you tune your heart to hear his voice today? There's an, there's an activity that's required of us. We have to tune ourselves to be able to continue to hear him in the same way. Here are some things you may need to consider doing so that you can hear him the way that you used to, or so that you can hear him at a new level. The first thing is you may need to recommit or surrender again to actually following him. There's an active obedience that required, is required of us. That's one of the things I love about the shepherd imagery. The shepherd is on the move. And we are invited to follow the shepherd, but to do that, there are things that are required of us, listening, moving, obeying, stopping, resting. The second thing that we need to do is that we, we all probably need to spend more time with him. And what kind of time? What does that look like? It looks like scripture. It's one of the best ways to get to really tuned in to hearing his voice is knowing scripture, worshiping, praying, praying, which includes both talking to God and also providing space to listen, to hear him. Maybe it means getting alone with him in solitude and just being quiet, not just quiet with your mouth, but quiet with your mind and quiet with your heart. And quiet with your phone, your phone like turned off. <gasps> you can do it and you can survive it, trust me. Fasting, maybe we need to go without something to create space to tune into him. Here's another thing that we might need to consider. I think some of us actually need to get out of the sheet pen that we get in that pen and it feels really safe and it feels comfortable and the shepherd gets up in the morning and moves out and we stay in the sheep pen because it's comfortable, it's what we know, it feels pretty safe. But if we're not out following the shepherd, we're not out grazing on the best, we're not out growing, we're not out taking new territory with the shepherd. We're just hanging back, ultimately waiting to die because we're not feeding ourselves. We're just in the sheep pen waiting for everybody else to come back. We don't have to practice hearing him if we're just sitting back waiting for him to come back to the sheep pen. 
There may be other things that you know that God is speaking to your heart right now that you need to do so that you can hear the Good Shepherd's voice. I want to encourage you to do that. The Good Shepherd knows you. The Good Shepherd loves you. The Good Shepherd died for you. The Lord is your good shepherd. You lack nothing. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because his rod and his staff, they comfort us. He prepares a feast before us in the presence of our enemies. He honors us by anointing our head with oil. There's a... There's a two-faceted thing that's happening here. Anointing a head with oil is a symbol of royalty. And my friends, we are sons and daughters of the Most High King. But you know, shepherds also used oil as a healing balm, because sheep are not that smart. And sheep run into things all the time. And sheep would come back to the pen and have nicks and cuts and all kinds of things, and bugs would get in there, and so shepherds would anoint their head with oil to protect them. He binds up our wounds. Holy Spirit is the balm of Gilead that washes over us and heals us. Our cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our life. And we, my friends, then, we will live in the house of the Lord forever because he is our good, good shepherd. Let's pray together. Jesus, how grateful we are that you loved us so much that you were willing to die, to be obedient to death on a cross because it was obedience to your Father and you have set that example before us. Would you give us courage to live in such a way that honors your sacrifice? Father, I pray right now for anyone here at Bettendorf, at Kiwani online, who has not yet embraced you as Good Shepherd. Holy Spirit, would you draw them to yourself even right now? Assure them that you love them, that you see them, that you know them, and you treasure them. We love you so much, Jesus. Thank you for your love. We pray this in your name. Amen.